You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 349 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have regular contributor, farmer, winemaker, and our resident philosopher, talking with us from his small farm in Stockbridge, Vermont, Almighty Todd. The Almighty and I discuss how the calendar we follow is pretty arbitrary. The winter solstice, sun shine, how it right now is at its lowest place, but the angles are so wonderful. About the god of Saturn opening our hearts and homes, the paradox of tolerance, Karl Popper, the open society and its enemies, and the imperatives that face us with the coming year 2020 vision, as it were, among other things, a very philosophical conversation with Almighty Todd, this go-round. We have an EW essay titled Trading Post and four Christmas poems as read by our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavise, by Christina Rossetti, E.E. E. Cummings, Sylvia Plath, and Walter De La Mar. And another poem titled Task by yours truly. All of this, of course, as is always the case, will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 349 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
Summit Trading Post. I might be projecting here, though truly, are we not mainly the same in most regards? I mean when it comes right down to what makes us tick-tock. Too many of us can't see past our nose or deeper than our id-crotched cockle socks. As I scribble this pointed prose, the sun angles bright and beautifully through the brisk air on the last day of autumn in these great northeastern, endless old mountains of our America, nestled upon Turtle Island. The almighty Todd is alive and well, tending to his flock in Stockbridge, Vermont, having just paid a plumber to repair his expansion tank before a long winter commences and puts forth its nature strong neither right or wrong, heedless of the machinations of we human beings traversing the surface of this green-blue globe we come to know as Earth. I met a man named Al at the Summit Trading Post this morning, early, as we both hitched our traveling machines in park next to a rock-carved creek and went inside for a cup of hot coffee. He had just returned from Iraq after more than three years and was happy to be home. He shared with me his morning routine as we poured and affixed black plastic tops on our brown paper cups designed to carry out and travel well. Annette at the register talked of the importance of laughter and made me laugh from my belly. As the rug man waited patiently to replace the mud-covered ones we stood on with cleaner ones. Gathering my goods, I walked out the door back into the crisp, bright foray with a more plausible sense of the need to work on my humanity. As the yoga set oft with inherent judgment say, unknowingly ironic, namaste. The negativity is so hard for me to cast away. Maybe today.
Almighty Todd, is that you? Conundrum. How are you, sir? I am doing okay. How are you doing today? Oh, great. It's nice to have you on the program once again, our resident philosopher, farmer, and winemaker, among other things, talking to him up at his farm in central Vermont, Gaysville, Stockbridge area. It's uh, it's always a pleasure, especially this time of year. We get to reflect on uh, what has transpired, given that we're just about done with 2019 and looking ahead to 2020. You ready for that? Oh, I wish I was. I don't know if I am mentally. I'm still playing a little bit of catch up, but I, I do try to console myself with the idea that the, you know, the calendar marker is really pretty arbitrary um and that's you know not to put too much pressure on oneself i mean obviously if you've got fiscal year issues that might be that might be a you know more pressing but in terms of just lifestyle and uh life goals making it through the winter is more important than than uh, coming up with some good um good plans for new year's or you know your kind of uh new year's goals I don't know. I kind of try to keep a longer view, not to get 
caught up too much, but it is a great time of the year. I, I look at it more from the uh, kind of like the astronomical calendar perspective and um, this solstice time as being uh, just uh, an interesting shift in in energy, not in kind of like a woo-woo way, but just really in the way that the our Earth is oriented in relationship to the sun and how you know even though we're moving into what seems like the coldest part of the winter we will be moving towards longer days sooner and how there's this elastic ebb and flow um and just how that um that simple you know cyclic thing that is part of our our human pattern we a lot of people might not even take that into consideration anymore but it underpins uh so much of our society um and ideologies and religions are uh kind of it have have this time of year baked in to them meaning i think we've talked about this before but this yeah what do you uh, mean baked into into them well the, a number of societies have taken notice of this time of year um, when, at least uh, he, here in the Northern Hemisphere, the sun has been slowly, when it rises every day, marching its way slowly westward across the horizon um, to a lower and longer, lower angle in the sky. And uh, the solstice day is when it's at its lowest place. And it will remain there for what seems like a, a few days before it starts its travel back in the other direction again. And that's precisely the point at which um, uh, we have a big holiday on our calendar coming up. Um, the Christian and, holiday, you mean? Yes, the Christmas. If, if, if you have to call it Christmas again. Yeah, well, you as can't. if it as if it had ever changed being Christmas, but Christmas is chosen on the calendar for a, a, a reason. It's sim- symbolic of the returning of the light. Yeah, and, and that was more of a pagan thing, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it the, the you know there are structures predating Stonehenge even that line up to the winter solstice, and um, there have been festivals, you know, in human culture around this time of year you know for for us it's the you know the winter solstice but in south america right now they're they're moving into uh you know the beginning of summer and it just so happens that you know we're we're as far away we're as close as we uh, can be to the uh sun right now but we're angled away from it so we're getting kind of a deflecting shot with the uh with the solar energy which is why it's not quite as toasty as it was just a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's all about ago. the angle. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I I love the way the the sun does hit the planet uh here at this part uh of the of the orb uh this time of year. I do. It just the way it illuminates is wonderful. Although I have to say I was driving uh down to my a dentist appointment uh yesterday and the because we had had some snow and there was a little bit of you know grease and ice on the road the glare was just astounding it was coming in so low um that i even with sunglasses on i was having a hard time 
seeing which what was my lane. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I remember one time when I was living up there near you uh, in Vermont, and I, I would drive over this mountain. I can't remember the mountain pass. Uh, it was um, going from basically South Royalton to uh, Rochester, uh, Vermont, and uh, it was a shortcut. Oh, yeah, you went over the mountain road, yeah, the Bethel yeah. Mountain Road. Bethel Mountain Road. And yep. there, there was an ice storm the night before, and, uh, you know, I took that route anyway. I had my trusty old four-wheel drive, you know, 1980 or 1978 Subaru. And uh, the, the, the sun coming up and, and uh, shining on all of the ice over all the trees, it was just, it was so beautiful. It was so intense. I, it was otherworldly in, in, a, in a really uh, uh, inspiring way. I know what you mean. I know exactly, you know, from taking a trip over that road or like down the river road here, you get that low angle of light moving through all those ice crystals. And so aside from the brightness and the crispness, there's the, you get all these like mini rainbows happening everywhere. And it's pretty, pretty spectacular. It is. It is. You remember that time you and I, you reminded me we saw the Northern Lights? Yep. We just stopped in the middle of the, in the back road and got out and laid on the hood yeah. of the car. Yeah, that was wonderful. Uh, speaking to my good friend, our resident philosopher, farmer, winemaker, uh, Aikido, uh, I don't know if expert's the right word, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I hesitate to use that term, but long-time practitioner maybe is fine. Long-time practitioner, almighty Todd on the program. Uh, so this time of year is, is, uh, definitely one that is significant to you as, as I guess the whole cycle of, of, uh, the, the earth's patterns as it relates to the, the stars and, and, uh, the galaxy and so on do. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to ask you about, I guess the, the goings on, on the uh, machinations and such of our species a little bit uh, in this last calendar year, if you will. Um, we're speaking the day after that orangutan has been in impeached. How do you feel about that? Oh, well, I guess the only way to be impeached is to have been duly elected. So there's, there's, there's that. Um, at least he's got he's been satisfied in that respect because you can only impeach somebody who's been elected so he's he can now uh, wipe that off the table of grievances <laughs> <laughs> I imagine um, well I'll tell you the the divisiveness in the rancor is really um, just wholly disappointing um, because I feel like there are certain contingent in the Congress that are really looking sideways at their own responsibility um, in favor of partisanship. And I know that that's where I even heard one of the Republican representatives this last week say, say uh, that the, the Democrats were projecting uh, onto the Republicans – these things, I'm like, my gosh, the projection has gone so far, it's actually projecting back on itself and mm -hmm. claiming projections. Like, this is fascinating, but also frightening because, and it made me start to, I will, you know, I was thinking about this and wondering if it would come up. Um, 
and I found some interesting stuff because I dig around and try to grok things or at least like put pieces of information together and let let it spark um, new ideas. I know that that's kind of a liberal thing to do and not just be, you know, told stuff yeah, what, to say. Yeah. I so, I mean, what I'm are you thinking? biased. What are you know. thinking well, by no, thinking? It's not, yeah, what are you thinking by thinking? Exactly. Um, but when I was looking into the solstice festivals, I found um, that Saturnalia, which is the ancient Roman festival of the solstice, it was a seven-day festival, and it started on the 17th. So it would have started a couple days ago, and it goes for a week, so it goes till Christmas Eve. Because, again, the next day is the day when the sun starts moving back in the other direction. So that was also kind of built around the, uh, the astronomical feature. But culturally, uh, it was held to honor, honor uh, Saturn, the god Saturn, who was an agricultural and harvest god. So there's your kind of your Thanksgiving period, you know, ga- you know, bring in the gathering, celebrate together. But it was also um, a time when um, people f- forgave quarrels, you know, dropped grudges, wars and fights were put off. Um, and people generally had a good time and tried to get along with one another um, as a way to kind of moderate tensions in society um so i had to think and is it's just kind of amazing that specifically in this time period of the year when we are supposed to open our hearts and our homes and you know be forgiving of one another and um how can i say look to the best to, to, to the best in people and and not foster the worst i mean anybody that's going to watch a christmas carol you know this this weekend i gotta wonder if you know scrooge before would have said "Ah, put the children in cages and take them away from their parents it's much less costly to do it that way yeah versus scrooge afterwards after he had his you know his soul handed to him you know it's just it's that supposed to be a reflecting time this time of year and i don't know that it's happening universally and that's well, certainly uh, not in Washington, D.C. No, and it would it, and and because of that level of projection that I was seeing, and then to have projection be called out against the other side, so it's almost like double projection. Um, it just made me start thinking about what are the forces driving this, and why? Why is it that you know one side is saying you know this is this is behavior that cannot be tolerated this is you know behavior that is not above the law it is behavior that should not be allowed and and people should be held to accord for it whereas the other side is saying you know this it, well even if this is what's happened it's really no big deal why are you getting so upset about it get over it yeah, not having any integrity. You gotta, you gotta just tolerate it. Not abiding by the law of the land, the Constitution. Uh, not having ethics or morals. Right. Yeah, so that, that doesn't matter. Get over it. Yeah. So that got me thinking a little bit about um, the the paradox of tolerance. 
Do you know this idea? The um, paradox of tolerance. Yeah. It's something that Karl Popper, the philosopher, put forward in um, 1945. So it was during a time period when similar forces were engaged in struggle with one another, I would say. Um, but that a tolerant society um, basically is uh, uh, one that must allow you know, space for tolerance of one another – even for the intolerant, but only to the degree that the actions of the intolerant don't become a danger to society. And so I looked. I was looking back through at because uh, the the book was the the Open Society and its Enemies, and he basically says that. If you're not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of the intolerant, then the tolerant will be destroyed and tolerance with them. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Mm, man, it looks familiar. So let me, let me just read this short passage because this is the crux of it. And this is by, again, Karl Popper. And... He says, in this formulation, I do not imply, for instance, that we should always suppress the utterance of intolerant philosophies as long as we can counter them with rational argument and keep them in check by public opinion. Suppression would certainly be unwise. But we should claim the right to suppress them, if necessary, even by force, for it may easily turn out that they are not prepared to meet us on the level of rational argument. But begin by denouncing all argument. They may forbid their followers to listen to rational argument because it is deceptive and teach them to answer arguments by the use of their fists or pistols. We should therefore claim in the name of tolerance the right not to tolerate the intolerant. Hmm. So to me the crux in that is, is the, the, um, the denial of rational argument. And I think that's what we're seeing right now that the by matter of faith or belief that even if what he did was wrong his intentions were pure i think is what i've been hearing and again he being 45 the orangutan however you want to refer to the person who's just been impeached and you know, no, I, I, I apologize too. Michael Harris would probably, you know, our, our uh, resident uh, animal rights activist on the program would probably get upset uh, that I'm disrespecting orangutan so much. I, that's why I just I'm I'm trying to be Sorry. tolerant. So I didn't, uh, you know, it's it, it said, you know, the uh, you know the utterances of intolerance should ne- not necessarily be suppressed. But well, but he is a, he is of our species. Let's say we have to we have to claim him as our own. He is of our species. He is of our culture uh, in this country, and uh, he is our responsibility. Thus, and, and especially uh, in a free yes. and democratic society. Well, and that's it. And I think the it is our responsibility as uh, a society to deal with this situation. And I I was thinking about it too um, some more because there's this idea that you know we elect a president to represent us. And 
so he's representing a certain portion of the population. I guess I get that, but you know what? That's not really what the president's job is to represent anybody. The people that represent us are the people that we elect to put in roles in Congress. They're supposed to make rules. The executive branch is then supposed to execute and enforce those rules to the benefit of the majority of the populace without undermining minorities within the populace. That's the executive's job. And the judiciary's job is to sort out whether that the, the laws that are being put together are in accordance with constitutional norms and whether executive behavior is in accordance with constitutional norms. I'm wondering if we're going to find out what that looks like under Chief Justice Roberts. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, too, to in see. In the upcoming proceedings, if and when they proceed. Right. As I'm not necessarily of the mind that they should go any further than where they've just gone. And that is one of the strategies coming out of the House right now, as obviously you're aware of. They're going to hold on uh, before they um, identify the, the impeachment managers in the House, which triggers then it going to the Senate until they uh, believe the Senate has the right setup and, and uh, I guess, attitude about the trial itself. Well, because you've already got people that are supposed to be on the jury who have already proven themselves to be tainted. Right. So, or, or you know, jurors that would never make it onto a jury of our peers with, you know, such foregone conclusions about, you know, you, you the same way you wouldn't have somebody in a murder trial going, well, there's no way he could have done that, I, you know, or yes, I haven't heard any evidence, but he looks like he must be guilty. No, neither person like that would ever make it onto a jury. No. no. So why, a, would we, why should we expect that that would be you know, the case here, except that we're kind of living in an upside-down world right now where, uh, frankly, you know, the, there are certain members of Congress that don't take the rules seriously in terms of being rules other than being used as levers of power retention. Well, and you know, that that's why the whole impeachment in and of itself is so important. Last night, my wife, who, you know, we'll call her Ms. Cool, because she is. It might be, mm -hmm. She's very cool. And actually, that's the German translation of her, her last name. But um, she was explaining to our children why impeachment was such a great thing, despite what might happen from this point on, because it shows that to some extent, our system of government is working. Correct. By keeping the executive branch in check when it gets out of hand, the balance of power. Yeah, I mean, this lying about a marital affair seemed to have been enough to be, you know, a check on power 20 years ago, 30 years ago. What the hell? I'm losing track now at this point. Um, and it seems like our previous candidate has already been there and done that. You're referring to Clinton, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, maybe not while he's in office. That we know about. You know, many people are saying that there may be things going on in that White House. I don't know. Some people have said to me. I doubt it. He just wants to eat his Kentucky Fried Chicken and watch TV. I don't think he's got it in him. Yeah, no, I'm just, I, I'm, that's, that's how the rumors get started. But that's how, you know, that's how he starts the rumors. Many right. people are saying. Right, right. Ready? I've heard. Yeah. Oh, you were playing that? I got you. Yeah. So, 
from I've this- got one. Here's a good one. And I, I wonder, you know, at what point is are the people on the left going to start pushing wacko, com- really wacko comp- conspiracy seri- theories as a counter agent to the just propaganda that is being spewed? I mean, it's basically, it really is um, right out of the Kremlin propaganda. Oh, it's yeah, be- that, that's what I was going to say. spoken on the floor of the, of the house chamber. It is. I mean, this is really, you're talking about democracy, you're talking about a tolerant society uh, and, and all, but what we're dealing with is the mentality of a fascist and his minions. Well, and, and, you, and you, talk, you, you talk about that and people go, oh, that's crazy. But you look at the rhetoric and the language, the way it's, the invectives that are hurled around in that, you know, whereas the Democrats may be claiming that Republicans are not stepping up to the plate and doing their full job in protecting the Constitution. The other side are saying Democrats hate democracy. They are enemies of this country. That's really, you know, that's bizarre language to be being used by elected officials. It, it is. And, I, you know, I, that's, that's akin to shouting fire in a theater from my perspective. And there is a sort of cult of personality going on here to the to a very negative extent when you look at how democracy is represented by this one man, quote unquote. Um, yes, yes. Recently, uh, there's you know the, the evangelical community saying that that uh, those who don't agree with the administration are under demonic possession. Yeah. Okay which, then. Which, which is, you know, that's like classic dehumanization. Except that's now being applied not based on race or where you come from or the color of your skin, but on ideology. Right. Right. So what you've got is the beginnings of red scare type tactics. And why would you not expect that, given that the the group that we're dealing with is straight down the family tree from McCarthy and Roy Cohn. Yeah, if you look at the his his father and and go back and even it's it's an interesting story and I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I I've seen it. A, Many people are saying several times. No, seriously, several times that um, Trump. Oh, I said his name. Sorry. Forty mm. five's father was Woody Guthrie's landlord. You know, and Woody Guthrie. Yeah, I, I, have you heard I about come that? across that one? Yeah. That's an interesting one, if that's the case, you know. <laughs> Woody Guthrie being the the uh, emblem of of what I think you and I uh, believe through his song and his his work as a protest singer for the rights of workers, uh, very emblematic of of some of the the really important uh, core values of of this nation. Uh, as compared to what we have now in, in, in the White House and in the Republican Party for the most part. Uh, it's interesting that those two had a connection in some way. And, of course, Guthrie is, is, is the serf. Uh, he's, he's paying to the landlord that is the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. 45's dad. Passed right on. It keeps on going, that mentality. And yet you see people with these little 
little houses, you know, not much wealth, uh, not not any health care, not a good educational system, with signs in their front yards as uh, that that have or flags even, which is really crazy to me, with with his name blowing in the wind, and he is not there for them. He is not thinking about them. He is using them, and that, that's the thing that really gets me. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. And meanwhile, the John, uh, what's his name there? Bannon was claiming that the Republican Party is fully now the party of the working class. And it's yeah. like maybe in a Soylent Green sort of way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So where do we go from here? You know, it's funny. You know, we have about three or four minutes so you got to do that in a short amount of time it's funny that the the year coming is 2020 as in 2020 vision Mm -hmm. are we going to see clearly and well as we move ahead uh it's not going to be easy to do that but maybe that's the imperative of 2020 is to try to see clearly because i think that the uh miasma is going to get pretty thick this year um, as we move closer to elections, I mean, I'm already seeing weird stuff on, you know, on the social platforms. In fact, I've pulled back from them pretty significantly simply because I only have so many, you know, daylight hours. I only have so many brain calories to spend. And, um, I do feel that there is, uh, an inherently toxic or at least, you know, the addictive aspect of the platforms, that really needs to be brought under control. So I'm not, I'm not saving that uh, resolution for for next year. I've already started working on on that one this year, and just try to engage very wisely and and sporadically, um, but really focus on using using the opportunity to um, if I want to discuss that kind of stuff, save it for in real life with real people, um, and not waste it uh, engaging. Because there is going to be a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to parse through. That's the thing is you may find good stuff, but the increasing amount of advertisement and just you know salacious stories, stuff you know clickbait, is is continues to be on the rise. Facebook has obviously said they're not going to do anything about it. So um, I just would caution everyone to go into this year with eyes wide open and maybe question the the beliefs that you already have. Um, and test them, uh, test <clears throat> test them through reflection, with the reflection that this type type of year, this time of year, uh, really demands of us. I like it. Our resident philosopher, Almighty Todd, on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, talking w- with us from his small farm up in Stockbridge, Vermont. And everything's good with the wine and with uh, your your uh, plumbing. I know you have a yeah. You're waiting for a plumber today. Yeah, we uh, we took care of that right quick. The old the old uh, expansion tank was probably on its way to going south. So uh, we tried to to deal with that before there's a calamity. And uh, that's good to hear. You don't that's want good. any yeah. Yeah, we don't need that. And yeah, other than that, we're you know still doing some work on the house. We're getting really close to being able to move into the areas that we want to be into. Um, didn't do as much wine this year just because of the nature of my time. But 
yeah, in general, it's been productive, and I'm ready for things to uh, slow down just a little bit through the winter if possible, get some skiing in, and uh, then be ready to hit the ground running when, when the ground breaks in the spring. But hopefully I'll be talking to you before then. Yeah, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Well, officially on air, happy uh, winter solstice and new year to you and uh, Andrea and uh, everybody uh, up there in in good old central Vermont. I look forward to talking to you in 2020. Same here. Best to you and the clan, brother. Ciao, Fratello. Ciao.
Four Christmas Poems In the Bleak Midwinter by Christina Rossetti In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan, Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow, In the bleak midwinter, long ago. Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter a stable place sufficed, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Enough for him whom cherubim worship night and day, breast full of milk and a manger full of hay. Enough for him whom angels fall before, the ox and ass and camel which adore. Angels and archangels may have gathered there, cherubim and seraphim throng the air, but his mother only, in her maiden bliss, worship the beloved with a kiss. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give my heart. Little Tree by E. E. Cummings Little tree, little silent Christmas tree, you are so little, you are more like a flower. Who found you in the green forest, and were you very sorry to come away? See, I will comfort you, because you smell so sweetly. I will kiss your cool bark and hug you safe and tight, just as your mother would. Only don't be afraid. Look, the spangles that sleep all the year in the dark box, dreaming of being taken out and allowed to shine. The balls, the chains, red and gold, the fluffy threads. Put up your little arms, and I'll give them all to you to hold. Every finger shall have its ring, and there won't be a single place dark or unhappy. Then when you're quite dressed, you'll stand in the window for everyone to see, and how they'll stare. Oh, but you'll be very proud. And my little sister and I will take hands, and looking up at you, at our beautiful tree, we'll dance and sing, Noel, Noel. Balloons by Sylvia Plath Since Christmas they have lived with us, guileless and clear, oval soul animals, taking up half the space, moving and rubbing on the silk, invisible air drifts, giving a shriek and pop when attacked, then scooting to rest, barely trembling. Yellow cathead, blue fish, such queer moons we live with, instead of dead furniture. Straw mats, white walls, and these traveling globes of thin air, red, green, delighting the heart, like wishes, or free peacocks, blessing old ground with a feather beaten in starry metals. Your small brother is making his balloon squeak like a cat, 
seeming to see a funny pink world he might eat on the other side of it. He bites, then sits back, fat jug, contemplating a world clear as water, a red shred in his little fist. Mistletoe by Walter de la Mar Sitting under the mistletoe, pale green, fairy mistletoe, one last candle burning low, all the sleepy dancers gone, just one candle burning on, shadows lurking everywhere, someone came and kissed me there. Tired I was, my head would go, nodding under the mistletoe, pale green, fairy mistletoe. No footsteps came, no voice, but only, just as I sat there, sleepy, lonely, stooped in the still and shadowy air, lips unseen, and kissed me there.
task. Dear Jesus, Buddha, Abraham, Mohammed, and all you pagan, Aztec, Mayan, Greek, and Roman gods of yore, what is this all for? This soul of mine feels heavier, and my brain more confused and disparate. How might a man gracefully come home to a life well lived that has so amazingly been given, when the load he struggles to carry seems aimlessly driven? episode 349 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our resident philosopher, farmer, winemaker, and all-around great guy, Almighty Todd. I also would like to thank our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavise, and these fine poets, Christina Rossetti, E.E. E. Cummings, Sylvia Plath, 
Walter de la Mar. And of course, our musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Miles Davis, Iggy Pop, Gomez, Laura Gibson, John Coltrane, Terence Blanchard, and Branford Marsalis, too. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, let's give it a go and try to enjoy this one. Happy holidays. Happy winter. Happy New Year. <laughs>